We want to be our best, feel our best and live our best. But achieving our best isn't as cut and dry as do fitness, eat good, get results, happy. To find joy, good health, balance and contentment, we need to show valour. This is valour. Valour is courage. Courage to face challenges, to endure, to struggle, to be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities and to face it all without any certainty of the outcome. On the Valor Podcast, we share the methods, strategies, and ideas that can help us all achieve our very best. This is Valor. G'day, guys. Welcome back to the Valor Podcasts. I have a really special episode today. Um, we've got a really awesome guest, someone that a lot of you members of the Valor Gym know, but many of you may not uh, listening. Uh, I caught up with one of my good, 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 one of my best friends, Tyson, and we had a really cool chat. Uh, Tyson, for those that don't know, suffers just a crazy, uh, rare genetic uh, disorder, and I'm not going to go into depth about uh, what it is and how what, what it's all about, because Tyson's going to share that in the chat. Uh, but yeah, it's it's totally, over time, flipped his life to be quite unique. Uh, incredibly unique, um, especially compared to how most of us live our lives. Uh, the reason I got him on was really just for one main message, um, and you'll you'll see it throughout, or you'll hear it throughout. Um, just his outlook on the world. Tyson's not really ever done these chats before. He's a chatty bloke, that's for sure. Um, but but doing it via a podcast, it's it's just the first time he's done something like this. So. I definitely worked hard to try to get it out of him, um, but you, you'll see along the way that yeah, that his ability to just be grateful for everything he's got in his life and the people he has around him and that um, speaks absolute volumes for someone who is so heavily restricted in what they can do, um, but it's something he doesn't focus on. Yeah, so it's an amazing story. I can't wait for you guys to, to check it out. Here it is, Tyson. This is Valor. Tyso, how are you? Not too bad. So, we are we're just going for a walk. We're bringing this podcast to you guys from Somerville, just right off to Tyso's, and we're just going for a wander around town. We're about to wander up to someone's house that's got some good tunes playing, which is a good way to start it, so let's just listen. Oh yeah. Hey. Beauty. So for those uh, listening for a bit of context, it's about four days out from the grand final. And old mate just out the front, he's just doing some work on his driveway. And obviously he's a tiger man, so good man. uh, Tyso, you are not a tiger man. Who are you? I'm a dog's man. Yes. And uh, we'll probably get into some of that. Some good stories down the track. But yeah, so... Some of your listeners might know a little bit about um, Tyson, uh, especially you members of, of the gym will know Tyson and have maybe have met him uh, on the days that he comes in. Um, but yeah, he's got an amazing story. So yeah, and some pretty inspiring lessons I think will come along the way. So what we're going to do is as we just wander around the streets and you can enjoy some street noise and things, hopefully you don't get swooped by a magpie, <laughs> um, Tyson's just going to tell his story and we'll just have a chat as we go. So... Tyson, how old are you now? 19. 19. And, yeah, let's just go right back to the start. Um, tell us a little bit about your condition and over time how it's 
you know, changed your life and affected your life and, and what it is as well, I guess. So, yeah, will you start from wherever you want to start from? Yeah. Let's uh, go. Well, FRP is an extremely rare and severely disabling genetic condition that affects the bone growth in your body. Basically, it's like a, um, like a switch that gets stuck when you break a bone or something. Like, other people's bones will heal normally and then the switch will turn off when the bone's all healed. But for me and others with my condition, the switch gets stuck a bit and extra bone grows either where your bone's just healed or it'll be in a completely different spot. Yeah, okay. Um, a lot of the time it grows in, like, your muscle tissue as well, hey? Uh, yeah, it grows through the muscle, muscle tissue, yes. Okay. And so when this all started to begin, how were you when you first, when you guys first sort of realised that something was going on? Uh, well, I was, I've been a little different since birth. I was only a few minutes old and the doctors told my dad that they uh, noticed something weird about my toes. <laughs> so it's been... Uh, yeah, and what did they think it was back then? Well, they had a lot of... Uh, they had a lot of thoughts but I wasn't correctly diagnosed until I was about nine and a half, ten years old. Yeah, okay. Um... So maybe to tell us a little bit, what was what was going on with, I guess, your toes and, and limbs and different things, you know, as a child? Oh, well, basically, from birth, my, uh, my first two toes have kind of swapped. So my second toe is the longer one, while my, what would be my first toe is just a stub, basically. Yeah. Um, as a kid, you were... Capable of walking and running and playing and stuff, yeah? A little bit. I uh, I did have a limp, but, um, yeah, I was able to move around. Yeah, okay. Um, and then so over time, you know, when you got diagnosed with FOP at um, 8, 9? Yeah, around 9. Around 8 or 9. Um, I think I met you maybe when you were starting you're 11, 10? Something like that. So you only been... Um, Given this, uh, I guess, description of your condition only a few years beforehand, um, I think when I met you, you were predominantly using crutches to get around um, or a wheelchair, but you could walk um, on your own to an extent. Um, but start from maybe around that age of nine. Tell me how it's sort of, I guess, your ability to, to move, your mobility has changed over time. Mm. So when I was... Um when I was about six and a half, I had surgery because there was a there was a tumour on my right hip, and there'd been a bone that had grown kind of over over my other bones, and um, it was pushing my joint out of its socket, and so the doctors decided to have surgery. But little did we know that would start a whole lot of complications. Yeah, okay. So what happened? Um, what were these complications? 
I had the surgery and I had the plaster on and everything. And then um, about six weeks, like after after getting the plaster off, like we got it cut off and then um, the, the doc suggested we go and have an x-ray. And so we went and had the x-ray and found out that the um, tumour had grown back to, I think, three times its size. So you, you still hadn't known it was FOP by then. Had this was this tumour one that had calcified as you know as like bone as as you have now? Yeah, it had calcified. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, as as things progressed on and things got harder, then you started to spend more time on crutches, wheelchair. What what was what happened next? Yeah, well, after that surgery, I was. Uh... I've never been able to walk unassisted since. I've always had crutches or a wheelchair or something helping me. I think I remember when, when we started training, yeah, we did a lot of seated work or work on crutches. Definitely a highlight was uh, standing around in the boxing ring at, our, at the old gym we used to work at and uh, one glove each and we just used to aim to beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> That was definitely a highlight, because I got you a few good ones. Yeah. We used to also play just a game in, in the ring where you would be on the crutches and we'd just throw balls around or different obstacles around, and the aim of the game was me to try pretty much hit you without knocking you down. But I do vividly remember, I think once I knocked you down. Yep. I, I remember that game too, yeah. <laughs> um... And I do remember in, I think at least twice in boxing, you gave me a blood nose. Do you reckon, it was, was it two times? It was at least once. Yeah, at least at least once you've given me a blood nose. Um, but yeah, through these sessions, I know that the original goal was to see how much progress we could make in getting you to potentially be able to uh, walk again. I know we had you standing up with a skipping rope and we would throw, you'd throw the skipping rope over and even manage to hop over the skipping rope. We'd practice walking in some way even at this point like I, I you were not as restricted as you are now but um I do remember pretty vividly that one one of your legs was pretty tight um and you couldn't straighten it out fully um and you definitely started to probably I guess hunch a bit as well so you weren't able to stand up fully straight but you were able to stand um which was pretty cool that at that point how much knowledge about FOP do you think you guys had I don't really know. Like we'd been diagnosed for, well, I'd been diagnosed for well a few years by then, but we didn't really know anybody else or like just have any other contact with anyone. Um, and now, I think I remember this number, but you'd know better than me. How many people in Australia have FOP? In Australia and New Zealand combined, there are 22 people. Go right. Oh, turning right. Here we go, coming to our main road. <laughs> we better make sure we're paying attention as we cross. Cool, so yeah, that was roughly around 2011, 2012, I think we started training. And I observed over those years that, you know, things started to change. And um, it's, it, it, at some point we realised that we could no longer try skipping or try walking. And so we were definitely reduced to... 
a, a chair or a, or a box or something to sit on. And we would still do boxing from the chair. Uh, we'd still play different types of games like bowling. We'd do different stretches and things with bands and that. Played or, cricket too. Yeah, we played a ton of cricket. Um, and then, I guess, what would happen... Um, is you'd get what you call a flare-up. What's a? Can you tell us tell us what these flare-ups are? A uh, flare-up is just basically when the bone just grows. It can it can grow out of nowhere. You don't have to break it or anything. The uh, switch will just kind of flick on and stay on, and that's caused my uh, that's caused bone to grow in a few different places. Yeah, and so I remember, like, over time you go, like, oh, I've got a flare-up, and let's say it was in your back, mm. and, and you'd sort of know that, you know, over the next few weeks, it'd be pretty quick too, over the next few weeks or a couple of months, that area was going to tighten up. Um, and then as we progressed on, we, we couldn't punch with two arms, um, and we ended up just punching with one arm. Yeah, so I just punched with my right arm. Yeah, and then, and then over time you were struggling to be able to lift your right arm, so then we couldn't do boxing at all so we had to can that one um after that that's when i think when cricket came on board big yeah, time that's when cricket started yeah yeah so most of our sessions turned into probably a bit of like band work and stretching and going on some walks but cricket was where it was at and we set up our own little game in the gym and um there was a lot on the line <laughs> <laughs> um and you've got one hell of a one hell of a swing too like your, your ability to time um was pretty incredible but then again, as years went on, there'd be more flare-ups, whether it was your shoulder or, or your knee or your leg or something, and then we'd get restricted once more, and then things like uh, cricket, or the way that we were playing cricket, had to be modified, um, where it's sort of today, we'll, instead of sort of bowling a ball off a bounce and hitting around the gym, now it's more of a, I'll stand up and pass it to you, you'll be holding the bat up in front of you, and you'll be able to hit it back in that space. Um, so... I guess like a re- reduction in mobility through legs and hips and shoulders and that um, stop that. I, I've told this story to people before and we might get into our um, challenge that we did that sent you on a pretty amazing trip uh, soon. But when, when you do tell this story to people, it really does affect people because you can't really imagine this sort of condition to really exist. Um, how, do, how did it affect you over all this time when you do feel a flare-up coming and you know, well, shit, I'm probably going to be locked up a little bit more now and it's sort of progressed over time? What, yeah, how, how do you tra- travel through that? I guess it's just that whole preparation trip of uh, finding ways to adapt to... Say I lost uh, the mobility in my arm. I've got to get long cutlery or got to... I've got to work out specific things for anything, really. Yeah. So you pretty much just adapt and find ways. Um, did you ever have moments over this, especially as, as being a teenager, where it was, I guess, frustrating or, or you just felt like, you know, this is fucked, this is, this is hopeless? It is, a, uh, it is a bit hard, well, with constant reminders... But uh, I can still do some things, so I just try and focus on them. Doesn't always work, but do my best.
Now they're um. <laughs> I just tripped over his wheel. Um, so we'll sort of forward to today where we are now. So today you live completely in the wheelchair, just about. Yeah, I only get out of my wheelchair to hop into bed or onto my uh, commode to shower and go to the toilet and stuff. Yeah, but otherwise it's... it's um... Otherwise, completely chair-bound. Yeah, and it's a bloody good chair. Um, <laughs> so now how you live, I guess... Um, the tough thing with FOP is that there's not much... Is there much or any funding available? Uh, there is funding. There are doctors looking for a cure. They started their research in about 1991. It took, uh, took Dr. Frederick Kaplan about 15 years of him and his team to uh, find the rogue gene, which is uh, known as the ACVR1 gene, which affects bone growth. Yeah. And now, for, for the past 14 years, they've just been trying to further knowledge and try and find something that will stop the bone growth, at least. Yeah. Oh, train coming. How good's this? We're at, we are... If anyone doesn't know Somerville, it's, it's kind of a mix between being a small town and modernising, but it's not often we find these sorts of tracks anymore. Um, gives us the time to stop for a moment. Um, so, yeah, today you have carers available um, majority of the day. Yeah, yeah, for the majority of the day I've got people other than my family who are available. But before that, it was pretty much all up to... <coughs> Woo! Scared the crap out of me. But before that, uh, it was pretty much all up to... Um, your parents to to help. Hey. Yep. And my uh, siblings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couldn't have more unreal siblings. I reckon they are certainly incredibly um, helpful and patient. And except for when we play cricket with uh, Phoenix, <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't always the uh, happiest of outcomes when we played. Not always. No. no. How you doing? Hi. And you've been telling me all these different ideas and things that you want to start doing as well. You're 19, getting to an age where you probably don't want to spend every day with your, with your family and your, your younger siblings and that. Um, what are the sort of the plans and ideas and stuff that you want to start getting involved in? Well, I'm going to start uh, doing volunteer work, most likely at the Lost Dogs Home in the city. Yeah, unreal. Just... Um, I don't know, I just like animals and want to work with them and see what I can do with them, really. Yeah, that's good. Um, the other thing you've been talking about lately, and it was what we sort of spoke about a couple of weeks ago, and it's what made me go, man, I've got to, we've got to put this on a podcast, was um, you sort of said that you told me that you, were, you see yourself as very lucky and, and fortunate, um, despite the fact that you've, you know, very challenged every day and don't have the luxury to move around and, and pick and choose what you want to do and, and not have to rely on people to help you. Um, but like what's, what I just thought was an amazing thing to say was that you feel fortunate and lucky and, and that. So elaborate on that for me, Tyso. Tell me why 
what makes you feel, you know, good every day? Well, I'm just, I'm, I am incredibly lucky because I'm in a position to uh, kind of educate people on my condition and work on uh, getting funding for the treatment or the cure and they're just not many people get an opportunity like this yeah and we were saying this last week that um, you know if, if someone said to you do you want to trade all of this to be able to move again you'd probably say yes in a heartbeat but we were discussing some things that probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't for your condition and the opportunities that it kind of brought and you know you've got to do things like run um, concerts and discos uh, at the local scout hall which has helped raise money um, and do lots of things to give back but you've also had a few things that have been you know I guess turned for you and and given you some really cool uh, I guess adventures and things and yeah and like we said they wouldn't have happened and you're definitely a big doggy supporter (laughs) loves the dogs and um, I can't remember how the story goes do you know better than me about how we managed to get you to the the 2016 grand final Uh, I think you just posted on Facebook in a community group type thing and uh, someone said they had a ticket available and so you went and bought that ticket and then, you know, you called up the stadium and talked to them about everything and whatever. But uh, come the day, it didn't all work out as smoothly <laughs> as we would have liked. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, so pretty much I remember the doggies had beaten the Giants in the prelim and I think I was out to dinner with my wife, Court, and but I was watching the game. <laughs> Literally, probably not even an hour or two after you posted on the community group. Yeah, I was like, that's it. I was watching it purely for your benefit. I'm like, if they get through, like, this is huge. You know, the dogs haven't been in the grand final since... Uh, 1961. Tyso with the trivia. Um, 1961. So I was like, it's got to happen. You can't not go. So we just shouted out to everyone. Um, definitely leaned on the, the gym community. Without the gym community, it wouldn't have happened because we had all of our members shouting out, reaching any contact they had, and it actually was one of our members through a forum or a community forum that found the tickets. <laughs> and, yeah, so we got, to, we, we got to go up, and I was fortunate enough that you got me to be your, uh, your carer for the day. Um, but, yeah, when we did get there, the mistake that we kind of made was we bought it off someone who's... I think it was his, his son or whoever couldn't come anymore... So the ticket wasn't an allocated handicap spot. And so when we tried to roll in, they wouldn't let us walk in, especially because it was one ticket between two. But I did do my research, and the MCG did tell me that I didn't need one. Um, But obviously some communication was lost. And so we were, what, maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes from the bounce? (laughs) Yeah, we were pretty close in the end because we we walked in with the security guard and... Probably with them for about half an hour. <laughs> and then they eventually told us to go somewhere else. And we were probably at that place for half an hour before they eventually uh, gave in and 
gave us both free tickets to make up for that one that we'd spent on. And yeah, well, they called the uh, the the fella who we bought the ticket off, and he sort of gave it the okay and told them that it wasn't, you know, he didn't sell it to us for triple the price or anything. You know, there was no scalping involved. We bought it at price and gave it for our story and. I remember just reassuring Tyson, like, don't worry, mate, it's all good. We'll get you in. Secretly freaking out. Um, I'm trying not to lose your mind, yes. <laughs> and, yeah, I think the lady just looked at us and went, no, nah, you can't not get in. So, uh, yeah, they got us in and got to experience the Doggies winning their first premiership since 1961. 1954. 54. Last time we were in a grand final was 61, but last time we won was... 1954. There you go. There you go. Uh, and then our second uh, adventure that is, I guess, related to me. I know you've had other opportunities and things along the way, but um, myself and Tyson's mum kind of started talking about a bit of a mission to try get Tyson to the famous Comic Con in San Diego. Um, and I pledged to do a bunch of ridiculous, ridiculous physical activities involving. Ocean swimming in winter, running up and down a bloody mountain in List, uh, in, not in Listerfield, in Mount Dandenong, doing about eight workouts in the gym. And what was the other one? Oh, riding on an assault bike, yeah. yeah. But the, the goal was purely just to raise money towards getting Tyson there, and that eventuated in uh, the Channel 7 News coming down to Mount Dandenong, to the steps, um, which then led to an actual massive influx of money coming in uh and how much do you remember how much we raised i think it was between 25 and thirty thousand. yeah it's definitely about that uh but then the biggest challenge of all of that was um actually getting tickets to comic-con because you know when you don't know anything about it you just think oh yeah i'll just buy a ticket <laughs> not the case there's a ballot system and all and um i think i again reached out and emailed many different places over and over and in the end we were lucky enough to be gifted some tickets so, from Comic-Con from, themselves. Yeah, from Comic-Con themselves. Um, and all we did was just tell Tyson's story and talk about what the plan was to, to get in there. And um, that gave us, us that opportunity. And some of the cool things that we didn't realise about Comic-Con was, you know, if you go in the ballot to go and to this, you know, big... Everyone doesn't know what Comic-Con is. It's probably the biggest comic book, pop culture convention. Yeah. In the world um, but yeah if you manage to get in for the first time you might only get access to one day um, or you might get access to two days um, for, and things like that but we were um, lucky enough to be given every day plus yeah. the day beforehand weren't we the pre-day yeah. um, and then when it comes to you know seeing the big time actors and that talk about their shows and movies and things a line to get into those most people would sleep overnight just to get in. Um, but we were once again so fortunate that um, I guess the United States are really, really good at something we learned. They're really good when it comes to looking out for um, people with disabilities. But they had a separate line and we didn't often wait more than about half an hour. Yeah. And got to see an abundance of people. Who were, who were the main people we saw? Uh, Sam L. Jackson. Uh, Bruce Willis was there, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Deadpool himself. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Reynolds was there. Um, 
<laughs> the cast of Walking Dead. Yeah, cast of Walking Dead, yeah. Oh, and plenty more. It was huge. Um, and and we, I, I guess what we were chatting about last week was we acknowledged that some of those situations might not have happened. We might not have gotten to go on a, an adventure to America and a, an adventure to the grand final if these things didn't happen. And so this is kind of like a long-winded story uh, and adventure just to get me to just ask you, like, yeah, why do you feel that you're so lucky and, and, and why do you, you know, a lot of people probably go, well, you're a guy who's stuck in a chair, stuck relying on others. You could be pretty miserable. Um, and, and there's people out there that, you know, have a lot in the world and have all the opportunity, have the ability to, you know, be able-bodied and, and pick pretty much any job that they want or, you know, have access to absolutely everything but still find themselves, I guess, hard done by at times. Um, and that's sort of the main reason I wanted to chat to you was despite all that, you know, you don't seem to be. We don't have these kind of deep conversations that often. Um, I guess we prefer just to talk about footy and The Walking Dead. <laughs> but tell me, like, with as much depth as you'd like to give me, why, why do you feel that way? Well, again, it just comes back to uh, the grand final and Comic-Con, folding in the chair. I most likely would not have been able to do those things. And it's just, you've got a different, you've got a bit of a different uh, view on the world when you're quite different from a lot of other people. What view is that? Well, you just, I don't know, you appreciate the things that you can do more. Because there are things that you can't do, you may never be able to do. Just kind of trying to focus on the things you can do. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but uh, hey, we do our best. I love it. Um, absolutely. I think especially during all this um, coronavirus biz this year, um, that's kind of been the main takeaway lesson I think a lot of people have learned. A lot of people that are actually very fortunate and able-bodied and have all these opportunities and stuff, to have all those taken away, looks like this truck go past. To have all those things taken away, it's probably given a lot of people a lot of perspective, kind of realising and understanding that, you know, despite it all, we are a lucky bunch of fuckers, especially us Australian people that have an absolute plethora of, uh, you know, ability to get jobs, to get work and all these sorts of things. And it's definitely been a wake-up call for us. Um... But I love that for yourself, it's kind of, you know, that's what you get every day. You, you, every day you're restricted. But rather than worrying about what you can't do, you worry about all the things that you can do. And, yeah, that's why I just think it's unreal. So let's get towards wrapping this up. What, tell me about the future. What, what do you see coming up in the next five years, ten years? Have you got any plans or ideas what are we going to do, Tice? Uh, eventually plan on renting out from uh, my parents the home that I currently live in because we're working on getting that all set up for me and well, with a new shower, new bathroom as a whole and 
just getting that all set up for me. So you're kicking the parents out, is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, possibly eventually. <laughs> and, and what else? What do you want to do? Do you, you want to work on... I love that, yeah, you want to get involved in volunteering. Have you got some futures in job plans? Yeah, what do you want to do, Tyso? Well, I'm going to, uh, as much as I can, even though coronavirus has ruined this year, and possibly uh, social gatherings, like big social gatherings for next year, as much as possible, I am going to work on uh, doing fundraisers, just raising more money and just getting knowledge of FOP out there. Yeah, unreal. Um, so, yeah, there is a good one in the works. Hopefully, yeah, it's been a little bit delayed due to COVID, but what's the upcoming plan? What are you, have you got in the works? I'm doing a footy day when we can all meet up and... Have fun together. Yeah. Will that involve some real-life footballers? I'm hoping that it will, yes. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. Um, okay. I think that's all, Tice. If you do want to learn more about FOP, or uh, after all these years, I still can't pronounce it again. Can you please pronounce it for me one more time? Fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva. There you go. Um, if you want to learn more about that, where do we find out more information? Uh, well, uh, FOP Australia have a Facebook page, they have a website. There is also the uh, International FOP Association, who are based in America, but that's where a lot of the uh, a lot of the research and stuff is happening. Beautiful, and that's it. Thank you so much, Tyson, for coming on. First time me shoving a mic in your face. Uh, how was it? It wasn't too bad. It was uh, something to get used to, but it was all right. I reckon you did really well. It's, uh, once you get on a roll, it's not too bad. If you, when you, if you get really good like me at just listening to the sound of your own voice, <laughs> then you absolutely fly through. Um, but, yeah, thanks, Tice. That was a lot of fun. I hope you guys got something out of this and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed a good chat with me and Tice as we've wandered around Somerville. See you later. No problems. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening to the Valar Fitness Nutrition Mind podcast. My name is Stuart Cunningham. If you enjoyed the episode, please send us a like, send us a comment, share it with a mate, give us a rating on the iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Every little bit of support helps. Looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week.